Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 408, Late Season Turkey Hunting Tactics, with Cameron and Andy. And I am your co-host, and the guy who has found a new TV show. To watch nice i'm your co-host and the guy who has a new musical instrument Mm-hmm. yours is better than mine let me hear it you want to hear it i want to literally hear it Now, give me a hen yelp on it. She's a little slow, so that is a mm-hmm. gobbler Now, yelp. give me a hen yelp on it. Oh, yeah, you can do that. This call is specifically made for gobbler yelping, but on... Yeah, that's not bad. Roger parks gobbler call slate call it has a different the i guess what the biggest difference to me is the striker very different than any striker i've ever seen and but it plays just like a normal slate so i'm getting fired up for fall gobbler season here in my part of the world and got this new call that i'm trying to learn how to use and i'm liking it so far i think it sounds like a gobbler or jake yelp yeah it does to me uh, I hope it does to us. You know, we'll see what the, the ultimate judge has to say about it. Yeah. What does the striker look like on that call? So it's like the, you know, most strikers have a long stem and then a short kind of bell at the top. Mm-hmm. This one's like a short stem and a long bell. Gotcha. And then the stem right right at the base has like a rubber piece around it and then there's some tape around it and then it looks like he filled like the bell end in with something so there's a lot of uh moving characters to this thing you know that i assume is what gets that little bit of a honky you know 
Yeah. Because so, the pot looks pretty normal. It's got several holes in the bottom. No edge to it at all. It's like the whole surface is slate. But have you run a regular striker on it? I have not. Let's try it. All right. I just grabbed a Jeff Harrison Frogwood striker. Let's see what she does. Let me go on the edge. Good rasp. Yeah. It's the middle. that one yeah on your gobbler yelp to me that that striker that came with it is outstanding which is you know probably why there's so much that is on it yeah i think uh i think that yeah that definitely has more of that honky raspier gobbler sound than the you just can't get it the same out of so it is a difference for sure. I, if I wanted to use this for hen yelping, I probably would go to my normal striker, though. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, so this is my, my gobbler yelping call. We're going to test it out this fall, see if I can't intrigue one of the bearded old men to slip on in on me. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully we'll get a countdown from you here shortly. Yeah, we got 25 days till archery, but I may wait a week and crank up when shotgun goes. Archery's just, I may just use that time for scouting because it, it, archery and turkey hunting, I'm sorry, Jordan Barnes and other archery <laughs> turkey hunters, but it just doesn't go together. <laughs> <laughs> My nerves can't handle it. You got to be like Navy SEAL type brain in order to put an arrow in a gobbler at 30 yards or 20 yards. That is more like it. You've had success. You had two opportunities. Oh, I, I, yeah. I mean, like, I've put myself in the correct positioning and everything and even gotten the draw on them once. And then once tried with a crossbow, got the draw down. It just, who knows where the arrow's going to go after that, though. <laughs> like, I I would have a better shot of with a grizzly bear charging me with a, with a bow than I would a, a wild gobbler standing there looking at me. From the way you've been telling me that's gone, you would have a better shot with a grizzly bear charging you, you turning your back on the grizzly bear, facing, <laughs> sh- shooting the arrow 180 degrees the opposite direction of where the grizzly bear is, and then you would probably stop him dead in his tracks about three feet from you. Yeah, no, that's, that's pretty accurate. I, I have gotten nowhere close accuracy wise to hitting a turkey <laughs> and it's you know people probably hear that and like well go practice man i can come come over here i will smoke this target all day for you <laughs> but you put a wild gobbler standing there looking at me there is a hundred percent chance i'm gonna hit anything but that turkey <laughs> i mean it is a fact uh, so, so i may wait laugh. a week may wait a week 32 days for shotgun season <laughs> and get real with them <laughs> There you go. I know where a flock of gobblers is right now, and my thought is kind of, I don't want to go educate them with a bow when I can just wait on a gun for a week. Yeah. Because, you know, you may only get one shot at it in the fall. They're very, very reclusive critters. Yeah. Well, you have a point there. What are you watching these days? What's your new TV show? Well, so Tammy and I watch very little TV. Mm -hmm. But a friend of mine turned me on to an Amazon original series. I saw an Amazon Prime video and we finished that one and it was very good. And I'll tell you about that one in a second. But then I was on Amazon after we finished that one and I stumbled across Terminal List. Terminal List. Terminal List. And speaking of Navy SEALs, the lead character in the show is a Navy SEAL. And Mm -hmm. it's, I'm I'm really not going to tell you or anyone else any more than that about it but if you guys have amazon prime then you have amazon prime video or access to everything on amazon prime video and i highly recommend terminal list or maybe the terminal list but either way you'll find it and it's well worth the watch so we have one episode left in season one to finish that out yeah that's awesome uh uh, I'm always looking for a new show to start, so I'm, I'm in on that. Well, don't get mad at me for recommending this one to you, because you're going to feel like you've wasted... Well, it won't be that you've wasted it. It's just a little over eight hours of your life that you're going to be like, that was good, that was entertaining, 
I've, I'm now eight hours older. There you go. Yeah. You're not going to get That's... much else done during watching that. It's a good binge watch. Yeah, a good binger. Mm-hmm. That, hey, I may save that for, you know, sometime when I'm tandem driving in March or April and I'm off the wheel, you know, to go turkey hunting and I can watch binge watch a show and that helped pass the time. Well, you could do that, but whoever's driving, if they haven't seen it, they're going to watch it with you and that's going to be a little unsafe. <laughs> they won't be able to stand it? No. Nah. Oh, man. No. Nah. All right. So, so I'm warned there. That's good. Yeah. Well, so I'll check it out for sure. I always like a good show recommendation. Yeah. So one episode left for me and then, I don't know, I'll have to find something else to watch. Yeah, well. Or it'll be dove season and I can go kill a dove and then it'll be time to plant some food plots. So maybe I won't watch anything. Yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah. I have other stuff to do. And I hear there's a, some sort of a game. This, a season is starting for some sort of a game. Mm, this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Football Americano. Ah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I understand that there's some of that going to be going on too. So uh, nothing like good old football season to get the old heart ripped out by the Tennessee volunteers yet again. Yes, sir. Yeah, <laughs> I sure hope so. It, it, you don't have to hope. It's just a fact. It happens. It happens annually. Well, like I said, I sure hope so. Well, right. This week we got what? It's just us up to bat this week. Yeah. Kind of recapping our late season strategies after having three heavyweight guests on Mike Chamberlain, Eddie Salter and Harold Knight. And those are, those are three pretty recognizable names. Yeah, and, you know, on these other two series that we've done, I felt like, hey, I've got a few things that I can contribute here. And for this one, I'm kind of like, Man, how do you add anything? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Those, I mean, those three dudes just blew it out of the water. Yeah, they opinion. really did. They, they really did, and, you know, definitely worth a re-listen next year about mid-April if you're deep south, early May if you're mid-south, you know, mm-hmm. and good primer. And you can, you know, Dr. Chamberlain hit some of the science about where they're going, what they're doing, and then Eddie and Harold, obviously, have, they've hunted turkeys a, a few times, and so they've, they've probably called up a couple in late season. They're probably worth listening to. <laughs> I'd say they have a decent resume. If they came in and applied for the job of late season hunter, I'd I'd probably give it to them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I would as long as I didn't have to pay a pension. Yeah. Well, one thing I've noticed with you in your home state and since college, when I first met you, you usually have success late season. Usually, I, yeah. You usually do, especially in a year where if you don't have any success early that last week is usually when you get deadly and that's just me kind of looking at it but i've kind of said with you usually you start hot and then there'll be a streak of cold and then you'll get hot again towards the end yeah would you say that's pretty accurate i think that's accurate you know and and i am just in in observations about myself you know when the birds get hinned up in alabama i'm I am of the state of mind that I want to find one that does not have hens and wants to play. Yeah, rather than... Instead of doing what I know needs to be done or has to be done to kill one. Yeah. And so, you know, and and really I I should take out needs to be done, what has to be done to kill one. And a lot of times hunting those hinned up birds, what you have to do is just sit and be patient and you know not get real antsy and leave an area and blah 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 but i've killed a lot of birds in alabama and i'm not going to lie on here and say if i never kill another one i'll be happy but if i die tomorrow and i never kill another bird in alabama i'll be happy but if i hunt in (laughs) this coming spring and don't kill one i'll be pretty po'd (laughs) but i don't i don't have the the desire or the need to go and limit out in Alabama anymore. And I'm not saying I wouldn't kill four, which is our limit now if the opportunity presented itself, but I'm yeah. not going to sit out there and when the birds are, are bad hinned up and they're quiet and not gobbling much at all, I'm not going to sit in an area and wait on a bird to come by. Now, if I'm out of state, different ball game. Exactly. I'm 
going to do whatever I have to do to kill a bird legally. And so that's just kind of where I am. And so when I get streaky, there's a lot of that. You know, the fact that the birds are pretty hinned up, There's that's a big contributing factor to my streakiness in Alabama because I'm not going to say I'll just halfway try because I'll, I will still hunt daylight to dark and I will cover a lot of ground, but I've not had luck finding birds that are solo and want to play. Yeah. So. Well, and that's, I mean, when I plan my travels, I take that into account because I either want to be there first or I want to be there late. Yeah. You know, I, yep. I typically, I mean, there's certain states that maybe it doesn't matter, but in my opinion, I don't want to be there right in the middle of their season. Yeah. It's usually now you're hunting educated, hinned up turkeys. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So if I'm going to go somewhere, I want to either go hunt uneducated, hinned up turkeys or educated, not hinned up turkeys. <laughs> exactly. And I'm with you 1000% on that. I want to be there early or I want to be there late. Yeah. The, the, that's a big factor. And, you know, also from an outside observation of you and why I think you are very successful late, all three of our guests said they call softer late season. And you, in my opinion, are a pretty soft talker in the turkey woods. A lot of that's because you've hunted Alabama for you. So <laughs> you have to be, you know. Yeah. Well, we've talked about that several times. I'm very reserved when it comes to calling a bird. And, and if I get one to answer... And I can tell he's coming. I'm yeah. pretty well done with a call, and I'm worried about a gun and getting a, a bead on that turkey's waddles. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and so then, you know, as the soft talk becomes more necessary, it plays into your hand because you're already there. You know, you're that's your strategy yeah. that works. So. Yeah. Well, so, you know, for me, late season, I think let's talk about what I personally have perceived as the new late season which is birds that are not gobbling yeah and now i'm not necessarily experiencing the same thing in other states where i'm going to hunt so it's a little bit of a different approach for me when i'm out of state again and but in state in alabama you know i've not had much luck here the past three years late season i'm not saying i haven't killed a bird but you know, I would, I kind of expect the last 10 days of season to at least kill two, if not three turkeys. And I yeah. I haven't done that the past several years because of what I'm calling the new spring. And that mm -hmm. is, you know, after talking to Dr. Chamberlain and you listen to Harold, you listen to Eddie, they're all talking about it. And that is these birds that are still these toms that are still hinned up they and when i say hinned up they don't have 12 hens with them but they've got one or two and they're already and mike said this at a time of the season where their testosterone levels fluctuating greatly day to day and even hour to hour and they're not in a mood they're educated they're not in a mood mood to gobble their brains out to look for birds to look for hens. And so, you know, that the new spring for me is much different than the way hunting the new spring is much different than the way that I hunted the old spring, which was when you had five or six birds around that didn't have hens late season and they were lonely and just falling all over themselves to come to you. You know, I would give up the first five weeks of Alabama season just to hunt that last week of Alabama season in the good old days. Now I need all six weeks. <laughs> I need all six weeks of the season to kill a bird. No, you know, it just, it's just a much different experience. And so what I find myself doing now is kind of what I'm doing when the birds are hinned up. I'm covering a lot of ground, trying to find one that doesn't have a hen in the area and wants to play ball. And so, you know, if I can find that one, then generally that's a really good hunt and that's what happens out of state you know when you go late season you mm -hmm. cover a lot of ground but you're looking for that one bird and you may look for two three days before you find him but when you find him man so, it makes it makes the entire trip yeah well and, and usually it's hard goblin coming fast mm -hmm. late season like that if he's ready it, it they're really ready yeah no doubt 
He's not moseying in there. No doubt about it. And yeah, you know, I think late season, one thing that I can't remember if any of our guests touched on it or not. Well, yeah, in a way, Eddie touched on it and also Harold touched on it. And that is Hunter Comfort. That thermosail mm-hmm. is getting worn out in the springtime. As soon as I find a bird to sit down on, you better believe that thermosail is on. I yeah. Mean, to me, it's as crucial as the shotgun that I have in my hands. Yeah, you can't sit still. You're not going to kill anything. Yeah. And then, obviously, the lighter the clothing, the better. And I bought a new camo outfit this year. It's from Mossy Oak. And, man, I, I fell in love with it. It's awesome. It is very cool. Let's a lot of your body heat out. And it's just extremely comfortable. The one thing I think I have issues with that time of year is trying to find something to keep my feet cool because those having just soaked socks on that's not any fun no that's not fun at all no and then it makes it hard to walk miles and miles yeah and and on the bug front the spray in with permethrin really helps with those ticks and helps mosquito wise as well on your clothes part of your body you know, mm-hmm. that the permethrin's on it. It definitely makes a difference, in my opinion. Yeah. And Harold and Eddie talked about it a little bit, but more along the lines of, of it just being hot and they weren't big afternoon hunters that late, you know, in that late season. But, you know, when you're out of state and you've got time off of work, time away from family and money's dollars invested in being there, mm-hmm. you're going to make it, you're going to hunt daylight to dark as long as the law allows it. And so, you know, being comfortable is big, you know, finding that good shady spot to sit in, that's big. And again, the right clothing, you know, on down the line, the right hat to let a lot of that heat off of your head is a big deal too. And time to break up the mesh back hat, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, something I mentioned during the woodsmanship series was how I will wear a head net or face mask all the time when I'm hunting, but you'll catch me late season without it on more than you will any other time of the season, just walking from point A to point B, just because it's it's hot. But still, I do wear it a lot, you know, that time of year. So, you know, having something that's not cloth for your face mask or head net, having something that's mesh, just like you talked about with that mesh-backed hat, extremely important. Mm-hmm. So other than that, man, I don't I don't really know that I do anything drastically different with my calling. You know, I've tried gobbling to try to to spark toms into gobbling late season when they're shut mouth. I've had very little luck with that. Yeah, I have tried Jake Yelps. I've tried a little bit of gobbler Yelps just thinking, hey, you know, if they're going to flock back up then maybe the gobble is not, you know, is too challenging, so to speak. And maybe, you know, a gobbler yelp may be a better way or a gobbler cluck may be a better way to to try to call one in. If I know that, you know, if I'm walking down a road and see gobbler tracks and I know I'm in the area of a bird, just the little bit more subtle gobbler talk. Mm -hmm. And I haven't had really any luck that way. So, you know, again, it puts me right back to my hen calling and covering ground a lot of ground yeah i i haven't i mean overall i I think calling like a gobbler at any point of the season is pretty low odd situation still you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) but i've had more success with it the few times it has worked for me has always been early yeah and you know because i can only think of one spring there was one particular spring here where it was obvious it was the gobblers had decided it was time to get back together Hmm. and outside of that every other spring that i've hunted here you know for these years they're still interested in hens and and that's it pretty much at the end you know yeah now that may change now that we're hunting to a memorial day in tennessee but as it has been they're usually still mostly responsive to hen calls. And that's the case almost all of spring, you know. Now, if I'm about to leave an area for whatever reason, I'll rip a gobble. I'll do, you know, why not try it, you know. Right. I'd throw everything I can at every turkey before I just decide to leave, you know. Absolutely. But it's definitely not a, it, it 
it's no magic bullet, I would say. It, it's worth a shot, but it just doesn't. It's not like it just all the time is going to work. And nothing ever does, but it's low odds. But it, uh, I've had one turkey I've gobbled in that I could totally gobbled in. And then I had one turkey that was just a monster of a turkey that he was a bad dude. And the Jake Yelps are what finally broke him before he ran up there and saw us and ran off again. But <laughs> he did he did break definitely after like three hours of not moving and gobbling his head off the jet i hit the first round of jake yelps and that turkey broke immediately wow and so that was the first time i'd seen that so now i will employ them you know more often and that was that was early season in the state we were in at that time but yeah early season and then when they're hinned up i've i've had good luck with the with jake yelps and that yeah i mean but yeah well, and you remember that turkey, it was late season that you and I hunted and you were trying to kill him, but he had crossed a paved road onto private land. And this was two years ago. And I started gobbling at him with my box. Yeah. You remember how many times that turkey gobbled? <laughs> no, but he, he, man, he went crazy. But he, he wouldn't, he is like, you know, he had just walked across the paved road. 20 minutes ago but now it was a force field it it was physically impossible for him to move back across the road yeah it was the great wall of china yeah he was was on the other side of but that turkey i think had he not been on that side of the road i think he would have come to that gobbling because he i've never had one that just absolutely was shredding it when i would gobble at him yeah that one was getting after it pretty well and i think i you know what i think i stumbled across the audio from that hunt oh about a week ago i was cleaning up my computer oh really yeah and stumbled across the audio we ought to just one day just play the last what 15 20 minutes of that hunt where that bird yeah. was just insanely gobbling. It was madness. And that was that was May, I mean, last weekend in May, wasn't it? Yes, that was right before Memorial Day. Yeah, so that, that's one thing, you know, they're usually, it's like Mike Chamberlain said, the science shows, they're not as consistently gobbling in that late season period, but when you get the right day, Lord have mercy, they will gobble. Mm-hmm. I mean just an unbelievable amount sometimes yep and that's why for me covering ground is huge oh absolutely absolutely yeah have you noticed late season a turkey is more likely to stay in the tree later not really i have (laughs) that's why i said it but especially just this past season here like they were I almost was like, well, heck, I'm just going to sleep in until like seven because they'll still be in the tree. So, Stay yeah. that much later, really. Oh, I mean, it was getting really annoying because like I was trying to hunt before work and stuff and, and they were still in the tree at seven, seven thirty. You know, and at that point it was getting light. You know, fly down should have been five fifteen, five thirty late I season. But I think but I would still have up- probably put my chainsaw in the back of my vest. <laughs> You're coming down, son. You're coming down. <laughs> yeah and then i had that turkey on that same trip with you in the first state that we went to that stayed in the tree on me all morning long and i finally just left him there he was still gobbling in the tree yeah and went and hopped in with you and we went after a different one which worked out but i've had i've had more and i had it happen to me every year it seems like late season that last two weeks if I'm hunting a state late season or my own state late season, I will have a turkey sit in the tree on me all morning. And so I have gotten to where I used to never call the turkeys in the tree. Like I, I thought that was like a cardinal sin because I had so many sit in the tree on me. But I've gotten to where I usually do let them know I'm there in the tree. But I have changed to where late season, I, I typically am not calling the turkeys in the tree much, if at all, because I've had that happen to me more and more and more where they just sit up there till 730. And when they do that, like, and you've called to them, you might as well just get up, circle the tree and get on the opposite side and be quiet because they're going the other way. That's exactly right. I mean, they, if they sit, I actually, you know what? If that's one does that to a me great next strategy. Spring, yeah. If one does that to me next spring, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Just so that he will for sure go to where I called from and I can report back that I moved and didn't wait. (laughs) But every other turkey that's ever done that to me, if I employed what I just said, 
and I got up and went around him and sat down and didn't make a sound, I would have killed him. Because every bird I've ever had that stayed in the tree, you know, way past when they're supposed to come down, you know, way past, you know, hour, hour and a half, he goes the exact opposite direction of my location. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, all right, she didn't show. I mean, in my mind, I don't know how much they can reason, but in my mind, he's sitting there like, if that was a hen, she'd be here by now, and she hasn't moved in a while, I'm not risking it. I'm going to go this way. (laughs) Yep. You know, and I don't know if that's how they think, but... Yeah, no, I'm going to do that. I'm glad I just thought of that idea because I'm going to try that next year. When one stays in the tree on me until 8 a.m., I'm going to slip around him and set up on the other side and be quiet and kill him. <laughs> We're going to call that the Cameron experiment. Yeah, so. that'd be that. That would if you pulled that off, would that not feel pretty sick? Like that would be pretty sick. The strategy employed there of like, all right, I made him know that I'm a human by my terrible calling sequence this morning and i'm gonna go kill him on the other side <laughs> yeah uh, maybe, but but yeah i'm kind of with you i don't i don't call softer late season either personally i i'm very consistent all year i do the same thing i just call however the turkey's acting mm-hmm. if he's lustily gobbling every breath bring it on i'll i'll hit him hard you know if he's being real reserved and you can just kind of feel a shyness about him, then I'm going to be reserved, you know, and that I've had turkeys that I absolutely hammer with a call last weekend of season and it works. The turkeys I've only scratched in the leaves last day of the season and it worked, you know? Yeah. We had, we had that in one of the States we hunted. It was one of my first times going out of state, just super late season, like Memorial day, you know, and every time a turkey they'd start firing off on their own, like just going berserk. And every time you'd set up, get in real nice, perfect setup, here we go, and start calling, they'd shut down and move off. And after about the fifth time of that happening, it was like, all right, obviously this isn't working. And so we ended up both, my brother and I killed turkeys that last two days, never made one yelp, we just scratched in the leaves Mm -hmm. and killed. And they can't, like, when you would Oh, they'd hammer it. Two it felt giant like, birds. Oh, monsters. This is the biggest turkey I've ever killed. Biggest one I've ever killed was, was that way. Scratching in the leaves, and they were cutting off that scratching sound like it was like we're sitting there cutting on our diaphragms at them, you know? Yeah. And they came moseying in there, and, and I killed the biggest turkey of my life doing that. But, it, you know, I've, I've reflected on that a lot. And when you scratch in the leaves, he doesn't know if that's a hen, a jake, a gobbler he just hears a turkey scratching so i feel like you can hit another level of curiosity especially if you don't yelp on top of it sometimes right because it i mean he's sitting there thinking like well this could be somebody i want to whoop this could be somebody i want to be friends with this could be my true love i need to go see what that is (laughs) and that then he finds out it's none of the above it's me (laughs) too late yeah so that, you know, there have been times, that that's one time in particular I can remember that it was obvious those turkeys, I guess, had been called to a ton, and they had employed the strategy of if they hear loud yelping, they're going the other way. Mm-hmm. And we had to get creative to kill them. But most of the past two to three years, like you said, that last weekend of season, they still got hens, man. I mean, you, you're nail on the head with that. I mean, those two you and I doubled on the last time oh, we yeah. doubled together. I mean, they had a, that was what, three gobblers and 12 hens together? Yeah, there were a bunch of hens there. Yeah, and and every turkey we had encountered that same day and prior had been henned up. Yeah. So, and that was Memorial Day, you know? <laughs> yep. And that just seems to be the, the case more and more this past year where I was the last three days of season. Turkey still had hens, several of them did, and still had, like, the ones me and you doubled on, that was in the afternoon, and they still had hens. Yeah. They you know, were, yeah, they obviously were with those hens all day long. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's one thing if he has a hen or two right off the roost late season, and you anticipate he's probably going to breed with them, and then they're going to go sit by nine, but... He's still trailing hens at 11, 12, 1 o'clock. That's kind of, like you said, a new spring. Yeah. 
mean, that used to not be the case. And, and I always have loved late season. I still do solely for the fact that when you get, like you said, when one gets it right, it's on. But two, if he comes in late season, I mean, a lot of times that's when you can kill the really big old turkeys late season because mm-hmm. he's he's lost his harem. You know, he's lost his protection, especially I'm hunting without a decoy, so I don't have much of a chance of killing him early season, to be honest, you know, unless I bushwhack him. Yeah. But my shot at killing those really long-spurred, gobblers is super late season and that's always been the case i mean the guy that taught me said that when he taught me he's like you're gonna kill your biggest turkeys in may (laughs) and it's absolutely been a fact yeah absolutely i don't i don't disagree with that i think you're you're killing much bigger turkeys that time of year and you know getting back to the calling part of it in the new spring you know i'm trying to figure out is there a quote-unquote secret weapon to this and have have said, okay, well, a couple of different ways to look at it. If you've got a hen that bred early, nested early, poults have hatched early, there's a chance you're going to hear some kikiing. Mm. And so I've done some kikiing. No luck at all. I think, you know, that's my human brain trying to figure out or, or experiment with what a turkey is, you know, what a hen turkey is doing. And, you know, with that being a locator call anyway, you know, I thought, well, that might be good. That might just, you know, spark a bird just to gobble. I mean, even yeah. if, you know. If Something he may not have heard either, you know. Yeah. And if he knows it's a, a hen kiki in, then, you know, and he's looking for some company, then, and she's looking for company, obviously then maybe that'll work. But I haven't had any luck with that. So I think I'm ditching that going forward. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for the magic bullet with this new spring style of hunting. And, and I don't want to, you heard all three of the guys say it, Harold, Eddie, and Mike, all three of them, I'm doing a lot of deer hunting. And I don't, again, if I'm out of state, I'm going to do what I got to do. But if I'm in state, I don't want to deer hunt turkey. I'm with you. Yeah, exact same for me. It's like your parameters for what makes a good hunt in-state versus out-of-state are very different, you know? Oh, drastically, yeah. Out-of-state, you're you're just, you're going to do what you have to do to kill. In-state, it's like, all right, I want the show, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't don't really care to kill, like, I'd rather just let one not die this spring than sit there and deer hunt it for three weeks and then kill it, you know? Yeah. That's just my opinion. Like, I can go hunt him next spring, and maybe he'll be ready to play then, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, again, you know, about the only thing that I've found that, that remotely works is covering ground. Yep. you got to find the right turkey. Yeah, and I think you're a lot less likely to find the, the right turkey in the new spring, late season, by covering ground than you are when they're hinned up mid-season and you're covering ground because they're just more in the the breeding state of mind. And, you know, I'd be interested to hear from Mike, and I, I may ask him the next time I talk to him, what the difference is in a Tom's testosterone level early season, mid-season, late season, and, mm-hmm. you know, where, like day-to-day, day to day and and i know that you know there's probably not a real good way to measure that because they're not like they're you know able to check that on a daily basis and heck i don't even know they may you know they're probably checking that from doing blood work or you know i would imagine this testes study and that they're doing in alabama is a is you know helpful for providing some of that information to them as well but you know then you got to talk about examining dead turkeys and so you you obviously are not going to examine the same dead turkey every single day. But yeah. I just, you know, it seems to me like if you've got 15 hens that are in a flock that are ready to breed every single day and you are the dominant tom that they're expecting to breed with, you got to be ready. You got to be on G waiting on O, you know, and when she sits down you mm-hmm. you got to be there and so that testosterone level to me seems like mid-season is probably at a much more constant 
level than it would be late season when things are starting to wane a little bit as far as the number of hens that are open to breeding. So, you know, I think it's easier to find those birds that are ready to gobble mid-season when they're henned up instead of late season when they've, you know, still got a hen or two around that has a nest that's been destroyed that are trying to re-nest. But, you know, it's covering ground, covering ground, covering ground. I mean, I can't say it enough. And, you know, Mike said it, it's no different than really any other time of year, but we've got to get where I think it's even more important late season to be where the birds are. Oh, yeah. For us, that means we've got to know the ground that we're hunting and what the turkeys that are in that area, where they want to be. You know, what is the habitat they want to use? Because it can vary greatly from one end of a county to another end of a county and what that preferred habitat late season might look like. So, you know, I think it's up to us to know the bird pretty well that time of year. So, yeah, Yeah. it's it's gotten to where, for, for me, late season has gone from being my favorite time of the season to almost a here and I'm speaking about Alabama specifically because yeah. our birds typically if they've got hens with them they're not gobbling so late season for me in Alabama has gone from being my favorite time of the year to I almost hate it as much as I do mid-season yeah well it, it is kind of mid-season-ish <laughs> yeah yeah well maybe y'all should just run your season to Memorial Day and you'll get that late season feel again <laughs> well you know there's a chance of that happening, I guess. Yeah, that is one thing that with the, you know, if this trend continues and who knows if it will, you know, next year may be totally different back to the mean normal time. But if it continues, that extra two weeks in the back end of our season may not be the, the worst time to be out there, you know? Yeah, I'd be real interested. I, I know you've been in the woods late in the breeding season Mm-hmm. haven't necessarily been hunting but you've been in the woods late in the breeding season and i'd be interested to see you know going that late into may i don't think you've been in the woods a whole lot that late in may at home but nah, i mean for whatever reason as soon as the actual season ends i stop going out in the woods which usually because i also plan my travels for right after our season right yeah but it i mean last day of turkey season I've, I've killed turkeys the last day in past years. This past year, I scared one after calling him up to 10 yards, and he was absolutely shredding it, you know, drumming, strutting, everything you want. So it, they were still rolling pretty good last year, and it was like those last four days of our season was when the time got right where they were truly alone yet still seeking, you know. And that's mm-hmm. whenever that, like... I feel like that's a short window. They're alone and, and still looking for hens. And then, you know, I don't know, should ask Mike about that. When that switch flips to, well, she's not coming. I'm going to get back with the boys for, you know, molting season. <laughs> yeah. But there's a window there where if he, if the hens are all sitting and he's still wanting to find love, that turkey is so killable. I mean, so killable. And yeah. so it, if that is now encompassed in Tennessee season. It could be pretty good late. Who knows? No. Yeah. But it's going to be really hot. That's a certainty. <laughs> it will be that. And there will be plenty of bugs. But we will... There will be a lot of bugs. We will power through. And it's going to be it's going to be fun. It'll be new ground to explore. And, you know, interesting time. And so I'm, I plan to partake as long as i can and go out there and see kind of how the turkeys do act those last two weeks i've never never been out there for it so i'll be interested to see how they act have you given any thought to your out-of-state trips because you normally take that memorial day weekend that long weekend and and do an out-of-state trip are you i'm still going so our season closes on the sunday day before memorial day but i will still do an out-of-state trip memorial day weekend because and i may never kill another turkey again in this state but if the law of averages is correct i will have most likely filled both of my tags now that we're down to two by that point Mm -hmm. but i I may have none filled 
regardless, I'm going out of state Memorial Day weekend. That that's usually a given. Yeah, I mean, and and that's the goal. That's yeah. that's the immediate goal for you and for me is getting some states marked off the list and you're not going to do that by hunting the same one yeah and i mean if i haven't had success in 45 days here i don't think the 46th and 7th day are going to be the uh <laughs> the great the days i needed well then i guess i will be the guinea pig for tennessee and let you know what late season is like in tennessee oh are you coming up for memorial day no i mean just uh, that gives me three weeks in may to drive mm-hmm. two, three hours and turkey hunt. Yeah. So yeah. I'll be yeah. I'll be interested to see how that goes. Like if non residents will come here late season like that. Because most people in the South are planning their trips for Kansas, Nebraska, you know, the Northeast, mm-hmm. the the all these other states for that time period. And I I just I'll be interested to see how the public opinion is of like, do I really want to go hunt Tennessee? you know, Memorial Day, or is it going to be over? Yeah. And so I'll be interested to see how that goes. I have no doubt, I think, less people will travel here at that time period than we're traveling here for our first two weeks in prior Totally, totally agree with that statement. Because you had all the Kentuckys and and Illinois and Arkansas and, you know, on and on that now open the same as we do. And I people are more fired up to travel before their season than after, I feel... I feel like, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And Hey, if the science holds true, you know, with what Mike Chamberlain has said with the, you know, kind of dominant bird theory, then it'd be better for these non-residents to come kill them those new two weeks than it was for them to come kill them in early April. So Mm -hmm. I, I hope maybe they'll have just as much success and it'll have less impact on the Turkey population and be a win win, you know? Yeah. Who knows? So it's going to be an interesting dynamic for sure. And maybe maybe Harold will warm up to the idea. He didn't seem too fired up about it. But. Well, you know, you just touched on it. I mean, he wanted to hunt early season before Kentucky season came in. He wanted to hunt that time in Tennessee. Yeah, which I don't I don't blame him, you know, right. yep. at all. I get it. Yeah, but, well. you know, because... Of what you said, there's all these other states that are still in season. You got Kansas, Nebraska, and you you keep on going north, and the seasons are still in, and, you know, those are good states to hunt, and you're not dealing as much with those late, late season toms as you are if you were to, going to be going to Tennessee late season to hunt. Yeah, so, you know, yeah, I mean... You ask me the week of Memorial Day, not Memorial Day weekend, but the week of Memorial Day, am I, would I be more excited about going to a state in the Northeast to hunt or Tennessee to hunt? And I would tell you 10 times out of 10, give me yeah. the Northeast. Yeah, because they'll be getting about right up there rather than potentially being too late here, you know. Weather's nicer. Yeah, cooler. Yeah, you can have some bug. cold hunts that last oh, week yeah. of season up up on the canadian border type areas <laughs> oh yeah no doubt yeah well so i don't know i you know it's it's like you said it's it's kind of exciting because it's something new it gives you something to learn to learn a lot yeah. of trial and error and you know i would be really curious to hear from a listener in the deep south alabama tennessee georgia I'm I'm not going to claim to know a whole lot about Easterns in Florida. I've never hunted Easterns in Florida. But I can't imagine that they're not having the same thing go on that Alabama, Georgia, and Mississippi are having going on, which is these hens getting their nests nest destroyed and rebreeding to re-nest. And so I'd like to hear from someone who has had a no-joke, serious trapping program going on on their property and they've been able to get the number of nest predators in check i'd like to know if they still have what i'm calling a normal late season which is a bunch of lonely toms running around because almost every single hen is sitting on a nest or has poults that have hatched eggs that have hatched so if any of you guys have done that and you know you got a 
thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand acres of property that you've been absolutely wearing out the predators on, and not just nest predators, but you know, we lose a lot of hens to bobcats and when they're sitting. So trapping all predators, but if they've been like heavy, heavy trapping for several years, if they've been able to turn around that new spring, that new late season effect that so many places in the South are having. That sounds like a favor of the week to me. I think so too. Just curious because, I mean, my gosh, if you can move the date or the time of the year that your rut comes in by killing more does, you should be able to affect this with turkeys. Should you not? Is my thought process off there? I don't know, but it sounds plausible enough, in my opinion. Because when I listened to, and, and look, it's not just Chamberlain, but Marcus Lashley said the same thing at the Alabama NWTF field day. You know, we, we've got hens that are attempting to re-nest. And if they're attempting to re-nest, that means their nest has gotten destroyed. And while they may still have some of the tom sperm stored, the vast majority of them are breeding again. So you would think if you can keep those nests from getting destroyed, keep those hens sitting on those nests and keep them alive, then we've got to be able to bring back the old spring where they're just hammer the toms are hammering and falling them all over themselves so all right i'm going to leave that alone and i want somebody to email me andy at iamturkeyhunting.com or message me on ig i am rarely 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 ever on facebook and even more rare that i'm on twitter anymore so you can message me on those and i probably will get your direct message sometime in January or February. <laughs> but it doesn't mean it's not important to me. It just means there's better ways to get in touch with me. Yeah, well, that would be interesting to hear if somebody's had experience with that. I think so too, because I think, you know, it might be a situation to where we get more and more people trying to trap. And, you know, we've got a little bit of a trapping momentum, maybe revolution going on because so many of us turkey hunters are getting serious about trapping and getting our predator numbers down. And if this drives a few more people to doing it, then jump in and do it. Let's make it happen. And for you guys that are out planting food plots this time of year, and you're checking trail cameras this time of year, you're moving trail cameras and moving tree stands, man, it's a good time to be trapping if your state allows it. Yeah, if, if you're going to your farm anyway, why not have traps out? You know, yeah. hey, I know I'm going over to the farm over the weekend. I'm going to run down there and throw these traps out Friday night, see what I get Saturday and Sunday. Yes, indeed. You know, and, and do that enough, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, heck, I've taken 30 predators off here. You may have made a big difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I am personally planning on absolutely annihilating predators this this year because somebody duck hunts our place, one of our farms, every day pretty much of a 60 day duck season so i'm i'm just gonna have trap lines run from where we start on our road to the duck line and mm -hmm. every day somebody driving by them hey if you see a coon or possum in it stop and shoot him in the head and roll on you know and i'm, I'm thinking i'm just gonna give my brothers like each a case of sardines and be like hey if you shoot one throw a new can of these in the back and roll out <laughs> yep reset it and roll and that, i mean that's somebody's gonna be driving by it any day every day anyway so why not have a trap line running like that absolutely and so that, that's what my plan is and and then also before then i'm gonna run it just in the fall once once the crops get out of the field i'll be able to run a line much better just because i don't want to run over my brother's crops he doesn't want me to run over his crops i'm sure and when i can just fly across the field whenever i want that that speeds the process up a lot yeah so that'll be happening in september for a lot of the crops so probably start back about october which will be nice when it cools off a little bit mm -hmm. but doing that and a bunch of habitat work we got we got a ton of habitat work going right now that that we're employing we we did a cover crop on one of our farms last year and you just i i can't get over the number of quail i cannot really? get over it it's unbelievable. That's awesome. Saw a bobwhite hen with 10 chicks. 
walking across the road. I mean, it's just, they're whistling everywhere. Man, that's awesome. And it makes sense. They, instead of it going from crop to nothing and then crop again after they've already bred and everything, it was in like this cover crop of oats and, you know, cereal rye and, and all, all these different grasses and stuff that were tall and perfect for quail. (laughs) Yeah. And so they just boomed, and so it just spread them out where they could really go. But so we're we're doing it on that farm again, and gonna do it on another farm that for turkeys mostly, just to have that extra food. And it's gonna our our cover crop blend on that farm is gonna be clovers and buckwheats and oats and just all kind of stuff to help them through the winter and spring. So that's one thing I definitely noticed helped the quail. Big time, big time on one farm. But we're doing cover crops. We're going to plant some food plots. And then we're working to get a timber contract going so that we can thin our pine areas down to make them into more of a savanna-type habitat and not Mm -hmm. just pine stands. Yeah. Which, that's huge. Yeah. Because, to be honest, like the food plots and stuff, those are great to make little kill holes. But you can provide way more food for a turkey by turning your pine plantation into savanna habitat than you can by planting a food plot yeah gonna make that hunting a little bit tougher hey if there's one goblin on every ridge i'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> think you can accidentally kill one that yeah, way I, hey and if i don't if one's goblin on every ridge i'll you still be care. fine you yeah know? <laughs> yeah it'll be fun mornings but yeah. that's what we're up to we got lots of habitat improvement going and about to get the trap line running again and just doing everything we can to help turkeys right now because they sure need it. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. But yeah, I like your favorite of the week. Make sure you email Andy if you want to CC me or email me as well on that, Cameron.Weddington at gmail.com. That'd be a great way to reach me. And let us know if you've seen anything like what he described because I would like to know that as well. Yeah. Well, hey, before we go, and we've been going now for about an hour, so we're going to cut this thing very soon. Mm-hmm. But one of our listeners reached out to me on IG, and nice. he it was it's Cody Bashuska, and Cody's a friend of the show. He's messaged us several times. I think didn't he win a contest a couple of years ago? I think he came in we, second in that got the owl hooter. That's what it was. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, and so. Cody, like I said, is a friend of the show, but he messaged me and he said, hey, could you guys announce the dates of upcoming state trappers conventions? They're an excellent way to get training. Hmm. And I thought, that's an outstanding idea because, you know, I kind of feel like if more of us hunters are going to get involved in trapping, well, trapping takes time and it takes money. If we're going to spend time and spend money on something, we should be as good as we can be at it. And if we're as good as we can be at it, we're going to have some success, and if we're having success, we're going to continue to do it. So, with that said, Cody mentioned that New York is having their state trapping convention this coming weekend, and I don't necessarily think he's wrong when he says this. He thinks that the turnout's going to be very low because of the fur market being the way that it is, and I don't, like I said, I don't doubt that a bit. The fur market is absolutely screwed for a couple of reasons, the most recent reason being COVID and a lot of fur buyers going out of business. So we'll start looking at some of these state trapping conventions that are going on. But for you guys in the New York area, surrounding states, you may want to just do a quick Google search for New York State Trappers Convention. It's probably a good opportunity to pick up some traps and needed supplies as well. So Let's get serious about this and get this downturn turned around that we're having in the turkey populations. So, and of course, you mentioned it as well, habitat, habitat, habitat. Any improvements we can make there would be huge as well. So, all right, we have gone a long time. You have anything you want to add or you want me to wrap this thing up and put a bow on it? I say wrap it up, everybody. Enjoy some college football this weekend and the long weekend. Hope you all have fun with family and stay safe. Go Vols. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week. And like Cameron said, an awesome Labor Day. We look forward to seeing you again next week.
Roll Tide. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.